mass self-driving cars on the horizon. That's why you have you know technology, smart technology at home, innovation that's coming out on a daily basis. People are trying to change people's lives in, in, for the better, right? Sometimes it doesn't go as planned. That was the case with the founder of Segway. Uh, Segway was uh, well, the founder of Segway was an inventor, uh, the guy that invented the Segway, and he uh, he had invented some really big things that really had a big impact. And so uh, he was well known as an inventor, and uh, I think well known. I don't even know his name, but uh, he, he invented again. But he did. He had invented quite a few things that we still use daily. But he went into his lab and he said, "I'm working on something that's going to change the world." Because this has to do with transportation, and everybody within 10 years is going to be using this invention. Of course, they already blew it, but he was coming up with the Segway. And finally, after all, a year of secrecy and a year of being in his lab, he produced this Segway. And people were not impressed. And obviously, you know, people do use Segways. You see them in downtown areas and things like that. People use them more of a, a tourist attraction type thing than anything else. They're certainly not all over the world. They certainly didn't change the world when it comes to transportation. The sad thing is, uh, it, it it was kind of a, a you know it was kind of a failure. I mean, you ever watch any of those failed videos on YouTube and how many of those are on segways that wipe out and fall down and everything else? Right? Didn't quite change the world the way that he thought it was going to. In fact, the the president and CEO of the Segway Corporation, Jimmy Templeton, died in a segway accident when he drove his segway over a cliff. For a promotional video. So it didn't turn out the way that he thought it was going to turn out. But as we read this passage this morning, you can see there's a totally different idea about what changing the world meant to the, the apostles, to those who had accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior, and what it means to, uh, you know, when people say they want to change the world today. Many people, they want, when they say that, they, they, they mean that they want to make it a better place. They want it to be a, an easier place for people to live. That will make everybody's life easier. Some people might say that they want to make the world a better place. I don't, I don't think most people even know what they mean when they say that. I want to make the world a better place, right? What do you mean when you say you want to make the world a better place? A lot of times it's just uh, a thing that people say. What, what most folks mean by changing the world is that they want to have a global effect. Whatever it is that they want to do, they want it to affect the entire world. But how do you make that happen? Everything starts with a ripple effect, right? A little drift makes a ripple, but if you want to have a powerful force that's big enough to make a, a, a giant tsunami that's going to be heard throughout the world, you have to make a big impact. And that's, you know, everything you do has ripple effects, starting right? with your wife, your kids, your friends, your co-workers. And that's not just fantasy. I believe we can change the world. Look what these men did in Thessalonica. Yeah. Now, having a global effect means starting with you're not going to just say, I'm going to change the world, and tomorrow the world is going to be changed. It starts small, and that's a ripple effect, and that grows and grows and grows until eventually it does change the world. There's another step that I want to look at this morning that will help us to view this idea of changing the world the right way. We want to impact this world for Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, Thessalonica was not the entire world. The wind of the, the leaders in Thessalonica were viewing it. They kind of thought Thessalonica was the world. They turned the world upside down. It's probably just the city of Thessalonica, but it was their world. And especially the way the travel was back in those days, the communication was you couldn't just send an email to somebody on the other side of the world and hear back from them within the next couple of minutes, right? That was their world. 
and they turned their world upside down. This is our world. Yeah. Now we're talking about wanting to change the world. We may be able to send missionaries out. We may be able to start churches in other places. We're doing that in India later on this year, right? We're going to have a, an impact in other parts of the world. But this is our world. Yeah. And this is what we need to turn upside down for Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, we turn our world upside down, we may have a larger impact as that ripple spreads. But we have an opportunity to change our world, to change your world. And that's what I want to talk to you about for just a couple minutes this morning. How can we change our world? Change your world. That's what these that's what these in Thessalonica did. Jason and his house and those that were with him. Turn the world upside down. We'll look at a few steps this morning, but let's pray. And we'll look at a few different things. Father, we love you. We thank you so much for this time we have together. I pray that you bless it. I pray that you give us something from you. I pray that you convict our hearts that we might get a greater burden for reaching this area for the cause of Jesus Christ. Thank you for what you do in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to turn to a lot of different verses with me this morning. Number one, the way that we change our world is start with yourself. Start with yourself. It starts with studying yourself. You know the devil is going to use your weaknesses to get you to be ineffective for Jesus Christ? We all have them. We all have weaknesses. The reason that he's so effective in using those weaknesses to keep us from doing everything we can for Jesus Christ is because we don't recognize our weaknesses. Or we recognize them and we ignore them. Now the first, of course, is coming to know Jesus Christ as your Savior. You're never going to impact this world for Jesus Christ if you don't even know that you're saved. You don't even know Jesus Christ is your Savior. That's the first step. And honestly, that is the ultimate weakness. You can be the biggest macho man out there. You can be the world's strongest man. You can have all kinds of bodybuilding or weightlifting records and everything else and still have a weakness greater than anybody else that knows Jesus Christ as their Savior. If you do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior, that is the ultimate weakness. But we need to, we need to figure out what our weaknesses, is, what weaknesses are. We need to study them. Most people know that they have a problem with this or that, so they just pretend it doesn't exist. And just accept the fact that, well, that's just the way things could be in my life. Philippians chapter 3 and verse number 12. Turn over there, if you will. Philippians chapter 3 and verse number 12. He says this Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which I am also apprehended of Christ Jesus. What's Paul saying? That's Paul talking there in Philippians chapter 3, verse number 12. You still turn over there. He says this, I know that I'm not perfect, but I'm trying to be. I know that I'm not exactly where I need to be, but I'm trying to get there. I'm still trying to attain those things. I'm still trying to reach forth unto those things that are before. To be self-critical is absolutely imperative if you want to influence the world around you. What are your weaknesses? Work on them. What are your strengths? Develop them. Revelation chapter 3 and verse 2. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. For I have not found my work perfect before God. Figure out what your strengths are. Figure out what you're good at and then develop it. That's how you're going to change the world for Jesus Christ. What stirs you into action? Nobody can be inside of your head but you. I don't know what goes on in there. You don't know what goes on in here. Right? But figure out what it is. Figure out where you're weak and strengthen those weaknesses. Figure out where you're strong and then develop those. We want to be effective for the cause of Jesus Christ. But you have to be honest with yourself. Don't give yourself a pass that you wouldn't give to somebody else. We're often, we're hard and everything. Why would they do that? Why 
else, we give ourselves a pass, and we're often not allowed to give everybody else. We don't allow ourselves to give everybody else. Right? So this kind of the same same idea with the whole mask thing, right? All these politicians out there saying, you, you, rotten swine, you need to wear your mask and everything else. And then all these pictures coming out all the time of them not wearing a mask, right? What's good for you is not is not the same standard for me. And we do that so often with other people. Right? We're easy on ourselves, hard on everybody else. We need to be a part of ourselves. We need to be hard on everybody else. Yeah. Be our own worst critic. Don't pray enough. I'm not close enough to God. I don't read my Bible enough. I don't study my Bible the way that I should. I don't witness enough. I don't give enough. Whatever it happens to be, you need to figure out what those things are and then be honest with yourself about those things. Let me tell you, I am, I am my own worst critic many times. Probably have a long list of things that you think are wrong with me, that you think are wrong with the way that, that I run the church or whatever else. But I can tell you, however long your list is, mine's twice as long. Because I know myself, and I know where I fall short, and I, and, and I feel so inadequate so often. But we have to be that way if we're going to improve. If all we ever do is walk around with our chest puffed out about how good everything is and how good we are, we're never going to accomplish anything for the Father of Jesus Christ. Let the list go on. Don't beat yourself up, but be honest. Revelation chapter 3 again is a faithful saying and worthy of all expectation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. It's not Revelation 3. I have the wrong reference written down. Paul said that. I'm the chief of sinners. This is the Apostle Paul. I'm the chief of sinners. He recognized his own weakness. A man that's fully aware of his capabilities to use them for God. Paul recognized his weaknesses. He recognized his capabilities. And he developed those for the cause of Jesus Christ. If you want to impact this world for Jesus Christ, you have to start with yourself. And number two, surround yourselves with others who are going to Turn over to Romans chapter 15. Romans chapter 15. Whatever your vision, whatever your plan, two heads together are always better than one. Right? When it comes to winning souls and serving God, you're much more likely to stay on course if other people around you are doing the same thing. You get into a church where you're the only one that's out there knocking on doors. You're the only one that's witnessing. You're the only one that's telling people about Jesus Christ. You're probably not going to be doing it for very long. But you get into a church where everybody else is doing it, and you look around and say, man, I can't. I'm just out that way. That's not me. The more you see everybody else doing it, the more you see people get saved, the more you see people come in and, and come to know Jesus Christ as a Savior, the more you say, you know what? Maybe I can do that. Maybe there is something that I can do for the cause of Jesus Christ. That's why it's so imperative that you don't skip church. That's why it's so imperative that you stay away from people. And movies and television and music and any other thing that's going to pull you away from a heart and mind and move you towards serving God. Whether you think so or not, or whether you realize it or not, you are being influenced by the things that you, by the people you hang around, by the things that you watch and listen to. You are being affected by those things. What you see on movies is what is going to be your lifestyle before you know it. Oh, no, I can hide it pretty well. I can hide that. Most people don't know that I watch that stuff. They, they think I'm a pretty good Christian. And you may be. But you're eventually going to be like what you watch. You're eventually going to be like who you hang out. You're eventually going to hang out with you. You're eventually going to, to be like the music that you listen to. You've got to make sure that you surround yourself with those who are going in the same direction, direction that you are. What we're doing in this young church is so important. So important that we all be on the same page, that we have the same desire to win souls and to serve God. So
so important that we be a group of like-minded individuals. In fact, it's commanded in Romans chapter 15 and verse number 5. Now the God of patience and consolation grants you to be like-minded one toward another according to Christ Jesus. He says, as Paul said again, Philippians chapter 2, fulfilling in my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. It's so important that we all be like-minded together and going forward to spread the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I watched a, a video with a man at some festival, and, and this was like a, it's like a TED talk. I didn't just go watch the video of a festival. But uh, this guy pointed this out. And here's this guy, no shirt on, no shoes on, dancing around like a, just like a wild man at this festival. I mean, and honestly, he, he looked like the, the biggest goofball that ever lived. And there's, whatever the music was, you could kind of hear it. I, it was like an outdoor festival where everybody was sitting on this big grassy area. And, can't even see the music that's going on. You can't see what the stage looks like. You can't see anything. You can hear music going on in the background. And here's this guy, and I'm telling you, he's a white guy. He has no rhythm whatsoever. He's just doing all this kind of stuff, you know, and just dancing around. And I mean, a complete fool out there making a fool out of himself at this festival. And within a matter of a few, of a few seconds, maybe 30 seconds into it, here comes another guy running up. He starts doing the exact same thing, dancing around with this guy. And he turned this nut. Into a leader. That first following is so important because then, a 15, 20, 30 seconds later, he thinks here comes three more people running up there, and then three more. And pretty soon, everybody that was sitting on that grassy knoll was all out there doing the same thing that this guy was doing right here. And you, you think, wow, what a leader. That guy, he's the one that's going to get all the credit for that because he started that movement. But you know who was the most important? The first followers. Because they turned a lone nut into a leader. And they legitimized what that guy was doing. And they made him look like he wasn't this big fool out there dancing by himself. He turned him into something that created a huge movement. And by the time that song was over, and I think it was, uh, I don't even know what song it was, or you didn't really hear the music in the background. You just see all these people dancing around. It was like three minutes long. And the entire crowd that was sitting on that grassy knoll was all dancing in this group. And what happened is the more people that came and joined, the more everybody else that was sitting there watching that was laughing at the guy for a minute ago was like, you know what, I'm the oddball out because I'm not out there dancing with these guys. And all them people are jumping up and they're not in there doing the same exact thing. That's what we're doing here. I was crazy enough, if you will, to try to start a church. And before long, we had people that were willing to join in. People who were willing to hitch their wagons to that goal. It's my job to do exactly what that guy did. And that first follower came. That guy came running up and he turned and they both did a double high five to each other and then they kept on dancing. And before long, there was all these other people that were there. My job is to treat you as equals. I'm not more important than you are because I'm the pastor of this church. We're in this together. God put me in a position of being the leader, but the followers are just as much, if not more important, than the one who is leading the charge. As we get more people to join in, we'll hopefully get to the point that those who are not a part here feel like they're on the outside looking in. That's what we're trying to do. We're trying to start a movement for the cause of Jesus Christ. Not so we can get famous or popular or anything else. No one probably has any idea who that guy's name was. It doesn't matter. He started, he started a movement, but he had people who joined into that movement, and they together accomplished something that never would have been accomplished if that guy had been out there dancing by himself. Right? why it's so necessary to find like-minded individuals who can encourage you 
and the work of the Lord. I'm not saying we're going to go dancing down the street trying to give out the message of God, but we need people to work together in these things. Number three, you have to have integrity. If you want to have an impact, you have to do it consistently. Consistency is the key in so many areas of our life. Consistently reading our Bible, consistently praying, consistently serving the Lord, consistently getting things right with Him, consistently making sure that my heart is clean before God, consistently in my family making sure that I'm disciplined the way that I need to, consistently coming to church, consistently knocking on doors. That's the key to the Christian life is consistency. You can't be one thing when you're around people at church and complete, a completely different person when you're around your other friends or your co-workers. The hypocrisy of that is going to become very apparent to those around you. You'll have absolutely zero impact on those people. Turn over to Ephesians chapter 4. See, the way that you're with souls with Jesus Christ is when they consistently notice that there's something different about you. Without character, you or we as a church are simply going to drift with the cultural wind, and we're going to join in whatever is popular with the, with the crowd. But I'll tell you this. Drifters never make an impact. Drifters never make an impact. When you are just trying to do what everybody else is doing and you don't seek out, you're never going to make an impact on the world of Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 13. Then we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cutting craftiness, whereby they lie in wait. That's exactly what we're seeing with the modern church movement today. The contemporary churches of today are just saying, what's popular? Okay, let's do that. We want people to come. They may be huge, but they're not doing anything to impact the world for the cause of Jesus Christ. Start with yourself. Surround yourself with those who are going in the same direction as you. Have integrity, but then, number four, develop compassion. Turn over to 1 Timothy chapter 15. Think about where you were before you first met Jesus. Think about where you were headed and what your life would be like without Jesus Christ today. Those who know Jesus Christ as their Savior realize the impact that he's had and the direction that our lives are just completely changed. Now, I was saved as a, as a young child, but I can just imagine what my life would look like today if I didn't know Jesus Christ as my Savior. I know my tendencies even now. I haven't been a Christian for 33 years. I can imagine what those tendencies would be like if I didn't know Jesus Christ as my Savior. Imagine how he's changed your life. Those who got saved, maybe a little bit older in life, realize that he's changed your life. Your life is transformed. Your direction is completely different because of what Jesus Christ did for you. Amen. Now, you need to allow that to develop into compassion for other people who were just like you were before you came to know Jesus Christ as your Savior. First Corinthians chapter 15, uh, chapter 15, verse 10. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not that, but the grace of God which was with me. What Paul is saying is, I am who I am because of what Jesus Christ did for me. Doesn't have anything to do with me. Doesn't mean that I'm more popular or that God likes me more or any of those kind of things. But the grace of God, I am what I am. And because of that, I need to have that same grace toward other people. And because of that, I'm going to go on and do more for the cause of Jesus Christ. I realized where I came from. I realized what I was. I realized what Jesus Christ did for me, and I want the same thing for other people. Open up your heart and mind to the needs of other people. If you understand them, then you can help them. 
Don't focus on recognition. Focus on mission going forward. Our, our theme this year is forward by faith. Doesn't say forward for recognition, or forward for popularity, but forward by faith. Our mission, or rather our commission, is to go out and win souls for Jesus Christ. And I believe that God can use us so much more if it was our concern that we got credit for actually getting out there and doing it. So many people in so many churches are not willing to serve Jesus Christ because, well, that's not a high enough profile ministry. People aren't going to recognize that I'm even doing that. Why are you doing it in the first place? Yeah. Our goal is not so that the pastor can be like, hey, everybody give him a hand, look how he's serving God. It's not so that other people in the church can say, wow, you work so hard, look at what you're doing. Oh, man, you have this great impact. That's not why we're doing it. Sometimes that happens. But we don't do it for that. We do it to glorify Jesus Christ. And if we're doing it for any other motivation, then we're not even getting rewards in heaven for it. I have a feeling that so many Christians who have been in church for 30, 40, 50 years, when they finally stand before God on the judgment seat, and God says, no reward. Why no reward? Look at everything I did for you. He said, yes, you did all because you served the king just like him. You did it all because you were trying to get recognition. You did it all because you wanted people to recognize who you were, recognize that you were doing this. You didn't do it for me. You did it for them. There's no reward for doing it for them. We're doing it for God. That's where our motivation ought to be. And when you're doing it for God, then it doesn't matter what kind of recognition you get in this life. It doesn't matter what kind of recognition you get in the church. It doesn't matter if anybody recognizes you at all. If you're doing it for Jesus Christ, then that's all that matters. I don't know who said it because it's been attributed to several different people, but it's so true. It's amazing how much can be accomplished that no one gets who gets the credit. This is a, a world that we live in today that is. If you don't get the credit for it, and you're not moving up and everything else, we, we, we condition people that they have to take credit for everything so they can move up, right? That's not the way it works in God's system. You don't need the credit. You just need to know that God's okay with it. Ego can wreck even the best plans and intentions. Yet, if you master the ability to sit in the shadows as you watch your work blossom, you're going to soon learn that those beings, those are the rewards no matter how small. And that's what I want my rewards to be in heaven. How many times have I said, you don't see a U-Haul behind the herd? Because you can't take it with you when you go. Right. You said that I'm dead. And when we're doing it only because we're trying to please Jesus Christ, when we're doing it only for the glory of God, that's how you serve God. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 15, verse, verse 16, sorry, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. See your good works and glorify you. See your good works and move you up the ladder. See your good works and recognize you in front of the whole church. See your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. That's our goal. That's our goal. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 1, saying, He that you do not your homes before men to be seen of them, otherwise you have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. That's Bible. You're not giving money to the church so that people can say, Wow, what a good giver. You're not serving God so these people can say, Wow, look at that guy. Look what he's done. Look at that lady. Look what she's done. No rewards in heaven for that. Keep your heart and mind on the end game. Creating the type of change in our world is a serious and a tough responsibility. Those without the power of the Holy Spirit are not going to last very long. Why do, why do some Christians get discouraged?
tell you why. Because they're trying to do it in their own power. Yeah. It's like trying to drive your car down to Walmart and, and you're just you're trying to push your car there. What's the point? Right? Everybody else is buzzing around you and whatever else, but they're in the car driving under the power of the battery and the engine has to help. I'm just trying to push it along and it's so frustrating. I got a car. I'm doing the same thing. I'm headed the same direction as they are. Why is it so difficult? You know what? I'm done with this thing. Why? Because you're trying to do it in your own power. Get in the car, start the engine, and let the engine do the work. That's what we need to do when it comes to the power of the Holy Spirit. So many Christians are trying to do it in their own power. And they're saying, this is ridiculous. This is frustrating. I'm out here doing all this stuff for the cause of Jesus Christ, and nothing happens. Get in the power of the Holy Spirit. And let him do the work. Right. It's not going to be near as frustrating. And we're not always going to see everything turn out the way we want it to turn out. We're not always going to see souls get saved. I believe we can see more if we stop doing it in our own power. And begin the power of the Holy Spirit. Stay focused on the finish line. Number six, get out of your comfort zone. Change involves moving out of our comfort zone. It takes a great courage to stand up, to stand out, to go. It takes even greater courage to have the conviction to, to stay steadfast after you experience failure. Right? How many times have you heard? And of course, Thomas Edison's probably famous for failed a thousand times trying to, to invent the light bulb. But after that, he succeeded. And now this is what the result is. Right? What if Thomas Edison had, had stopped after attempt 500 or 600 or 800 or 900? He wouldn't have electricity. He wouldn't like it. Maybe somebody else would have come up with it. I don't know. But the hardest part is to keep going after discouragement, to keep going after failure. And sometimes that's the way it feels when we're trying to do things for the cause of Jesus Christ. I'm knocking the doors and nobody's getting saved. I'm inviting people out to church and nobody's coming. I'm giving the message of the gospel out and nobody's accepting Jesus Christ as their Savior. This is discouraging. I quit. Get out of your comfort zone. Comfort zone, they say, this is easy. Let's keep going. Let's keep doing this. Right? That was goal is to get us to quit because we didn't see the results we wanted to see. The Winter Olympics are in full force. Well, they're actually finishing up. At least I don't know if they end today or tomorrow, but the talent of all those athletes, I mean, it's, it's very easy to see that. But I can guarantee that none of them would be there without the determination to keep going. You can be the most talented person in the world. If you don't develop those talents, you're not going very far. And that had to start one day when they decided to get up off the couch and get moving. I can bet there are thousands of people who are just as talented as the gold medal winners in the Winter Olympics who just never got out of the comfort zone. They got the ability. They could do it. And they sit there on the couch and say, man, I could, I could do that. I could do that. That's, that's all you got to do to win a gold medal. I could do that. They never got off the couch. They never got in the game. They didn't do the work that was necessary to develop their talents. They were very uncomfortable and moved out of their comfort zone. That's why it's called a comfort zone. Remember the story of Peter walking on the water with Jesus in Mark chapter 14? I'm not going to take the time to turn there and read through it all, but Peter had to step out of his comfort zone to see the miracle that Jesus wanted to perform for him. People don't walk on the water. Jesus did, but he wasn't Jesus and he knew it. But he had to step out of his comfort zone. You don't get out of the boat and walk across the water. But if Peter wanted to see God do a miracle for him, if Peter wanted to see Jesus Christ do a thing that had never been done before, then he was going to have to step outside 
easy to get out of knocking doors for the first time, but it's necessary. It's not easy to say no to that sin that's holding you back, but it's necessary. It's not easy to hand out that first track to somebody at the gas station or at the, at the drive-thru window, but it's necessary. It's not easy to throw away the, the devil's music. It's not easy to throw away the devil's movies. It's not easy to throw away the devil's television programs. But it's necessary if you're going to go forward for the cause of Jesus Christ. Right. It's not always easy to say no to the crowd. It's not always easy to serve God in place of saying yes to the crowd. But it's necessary if we're going to turn the world upside down for the cause of Jesus Christ. Amen. Being world changers, courage and conviction are of utmost importance. And those are two qualities that people need to have. And you get them a Give until it hurts. Give until it hurts. Giving should always be our primary focus. Right? We should have things that we wish to do in our life, but we can't because we're giving up too much. I think about this sometimes. I'm not saying that I'm a tremendous giver or anything like that, but it affects our lifestyle. I think, man, we can imagine what we could do with that money that we gave to the Lord. And I'm not saying it in a bad way. Oh, imagine what. That's a significant amount of money that you could use for things that would be nice to have. If your giving is not affecting your lifestyle, then you're not giving enough. Your giving ought to affect your lifestyle. I'm, I'm talking about giving to God, but also you're talking about giving to others. Somebody said if, you're, if your giving doesn't affect your lifestyle, you're not giving enough. That's true. I didn't know that quote didn't originate with me, but it's, it's so important to make sure that we give, give, give. The world is full of people doing things. Positive change is going to require sacrifice and giving hearts. How should you give? Give your money to the things of God. This church needs a building. A lot of you have given toward the building fund. Right? This church is going to need more ways to reach out. We need more permission. That will take some money to make that happen. I'm not begging for your money. God is taking care of us. And if every single person in this church left, I don't know how it would happen, but I know that God would take care of us. This is not our church. This is his church. And he will take care of us. He's going to provide. But don't you want to be a part of that? Don't you want to be a part of what God is accomplishing in this place? God's going to provide for, for this church. Why not let him use you to do it? Can't take it with you when you go. Who cares if you, if you land at the end of your life with $500,000 in your bank account? Who cares if you've got a million or two or $10 million in your bank account? The more it goes up, the more ridiculous it seems that it's sitting there doing nothing. Right? Imagine what you can do with that for the cause of Jesus Christ. Imagine what you can do with that for missions. Give your time. Give your talents. Give your, your blessing. Give especially your love. Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 15, I will very gladly spend and be spent for you. For the more abundantly I love you, the less I do. Gladly spend we're stingy in one of the things that God's given us to use for his service. And we're going to be able to change the world. Last thing quickly. Start with yourself. You want to change the world? Surround yourself with others who are going in the same direction as you. Have integrity. Develop compassion. Focus on the mission. Get out of your comfort zone. Give it to hurts. Number eight, the way that you change the world is by faith. Have faith. You were created for a purpose. God put you on this earth for a purpose. God put you in this church for a purpose. Follow the call that God's placed in your heart and trust. 
At the end of the day, you are called to love and serve others. But in times you receive that love not. You love others, you're going to tell them about Jesus Christ. You want to serve others, you're not going to care to Jesus Christ. Walk confidently in that promise. Have faith that God is going to use you as you follow Him. Turn over to Matthew chapter 17, and we're done. This is one of the most challenging, but I think one of the saddest verses in all the Bible. Matthew chapter 17. We don't have time to look through the context of this passage, but Jesus. Is obviously in the middle of talking with those that were interested in doing things for Jesus Christ, interested in, in serving Him, interested in doing things for Him. But He says this in verse number twenty: that the, these Jesus Christ, the disciples had tried to cast out demons in this world. Jesus came, cast the demons right out, and the disciples came and said, "Why? Why couldn't we do that?" Jesus said this in Matthew chapter seventeen, verse number twenty. Jesus said unto him, Because of your unbelief. For verily I say unto you, If ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence the other place that it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Think about that. I say it's a, it's a challenging verse. It's exciting, but it's also sad at the same time because how many people have said to that mountain, Get up from that place and go over there? You're in the way. Move. And the mountain got up and moved. God said, if we have faith the size of a grain of mustard seed, and we can move mountains, nothing shall be impossible in you. How hard is it for God to give us a building? How hard is it for God for us to find a piece of property? How hard is it for God to help us get a bus ministry started? How hard is it for God to help us reach this community for the cause of Jesus Christ? It's easy for Him. Those things are, are, are pennies to God. It's nothing for Him. To me, it seemed like a whole lot harder to pick up a mountain and move it, right? To God, that's still nothing. But then when you compare it on such a small scale, what we need God to do, even though it seems pretty big to us, is nothing to Him. And all it takes is for us to have faith. And God can do it. He wants to help us change the world. He wants to help us reach this community. Have faith. Trust Him. That's what He's telling us to do. Nothing is going to be accomplished without faith and believe that God can and will and wants to use you. Nothing is going to be accomplished without faith and believe that God can perform the miracles in your life and in this church. Nothing is going to be accomplished without faith and believe that God can change the hearts of people. I was in an Amish store. I'd never seen a mustard seed before. But I had a, I found a little package of mustard seed. And there must have been 2,000 plus seeds in there. Those mustard seeds are tiny. Tiny if you've ever seen them. And God says, if you have faith like this, you can move a mountain. Imagine how small that faith is. Now imagine if you have faith bigger than a grain of mustard. Imagine what we could do with that faith. That's why I say it's so important that we have faith that we're going to see God change us. Let's look back at our text one more time. Back in Acts chapter 17. 
want you to see this verse as we close. These men were able to be world changers because they believed that what they were doing was ordained by God. What they were doing was something God wanted them to do. Come what may, they did it because God wanted them to do it. Verse number six. Found them not, they drew haste and a certain brethren of the rulers of the city, crying, These that have turned the world upside down have come hither also. Jesus Christ told them what the message was about. That's what they were doing. Put me in prison. I don't care. I'm doing what God wants me to do. Take everything from me. I don't care. I'm doing what God wants me to do. Criticize me. Doesn't matter. Do what God wants me to do. I'm just trying to make an impact in the cause of Jesus Christ. Turn the world upside down. We have a tremendous opportunity to impact this area. Our world for Jesus Christ. How do we do that? Start with yourself. Make sure your heart is changed into the image of Jesus Christ. Surround yourself with others who are going in the same direction as you. Have integrity. Develop compassion. Focus on the mission. Get out of your comfort zone. Give until it hurts. And have faith. We follow these principles in the Word of God. We can be world changers too. These have turned the world upside down. I want that to describe me. I want that to describe this church. Not so we can get all of them to the life of the life. They did everything that I wanted them to accomplish. They turned their world upside down. Father, we love you. Thank you so much for coming to our church. Thank you for these truths from the Word of God. I do pray that you help us to be world changers. I pray that you help us to impact this area for the cause of Jesus Christ. 350,000 people in this county, many of them that don't know Jesus Christ as their Savior. Over a million people in Richmond and in the surrounding areas. What a world you've given us to reach. I believe with all my heart that we can see a revival. Like with all my heart, as we see Christians come back to Jesus Christ so that we might reach the lost for the cause of Jesus Christ. I pray that we start right here in this church. I pray that we change the world. I pray that we would turn this world upside down for the cause of Jesus Christ. I pray that you help us to do it in the power of the Holy Spirit. I pray that you give us faith and believe that you can and will do it if we're just willing to trust you. God, where we fall short, I pray that you convict our hearts to the point where we're willing to make changes so that we might be used by you. Thank you for what you do in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand at your seats with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. Perhaps you're in here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior. Not by accident that you're sitting in the service this morning. If this is your first time here, why don't you come to this time in this church? Not by accident that you're sitting here this morning. Perhaps you've never repented of your sin and asked Jesus Christ to come into your heart and be your Savior. This whole thing we're talking about, about being a world changer, we're talking about impacting this world for the cause of Jesus Christ. And that's not just saying, hey, do you believe the story of Jesus? Great. No, there's a big difference between a head 
knowledge and heart knowledge. A lot of people who have heard of Jesus and who may even believe on Jesus but never trusted in him to take their sins away. Maybe you don't know for sure that you're on your way to heaven this morning. It's a sad thing to walk out of this church service this morning and go on your way and not know Jesus Christ as your Savior. Once you come forward when the invitation begins, let somebody take a Bible and show you how you can know for sure that you can go to heaven tonight. Your man will get a man to take a Bible if you're late. Let a lady do it. You can be comfortable, but we will take your Bible and show you how you can be saved. But if you already know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you have a responsibility to share the message of the gospel with this morning. There's a reason Jesus didn't call you out to come in and accept it. He's got a job for you to do. That's to be a good Christian, to live as a good testimony. But why? Why? So that you might win those people to this We have a world outside of these walls that's in desperate need of being changed. You can be the world changer. God spoke to your heart this morning. You can count on the invitation is open. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, why don't you step out? Come forward this morning and take a Bible and show me how you can know for sure.